What's good, it's Darius. What's up, Ms. Matt? Yo, it's Josh. You are now tuned in to the Dominate the Decade podcast. Let's go. I'm trapped in. I'm trapped in, I know it. Hey, I know I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I know I'm trapped. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look. I heard my nigga talking about me. Whisper getting close. Uh, nigga, same breaking bread. I don't even know you. This episode is sponsored by the Good Brothers over at Golden Wings by Friars Gate Kitchen in Irmo, South Carolina. Featured on episode seven of the podcast, this black-owned restaurant serves up the best wings and plenty of other things in Columbia. Located at 7971 North Woodrow Street, Suite 10, Jason and James are your go-to spot for wings, fish, turkey burgers, salads, and much more. On September 5th, Golden Wings will also be hosting an event titled Corvette Cruise-In that will double as a listening party for local artist Bria Monet's latest album. Social distancing will be enforced. Y'all make sure to check out that event as well as James and Jason at Golden Wings. Now here's the episode. Yo, so how y'all doing? Doing good, man. How about you? Another episode. Another episode. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain, obviously. With everything going on, uh, we here. That's all you can ask for. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. A whole lot going on right now in the world. Yo, I swear every episode, we're, we're like, oh, man, with everything going on, it continues <laughs> to be more and more and more. Uh, yo, I feel like this latest one has been just a dagger. That's a tough time right now for black folk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I mean, it would be it would be a disservice to our listeners and to even us if we didn't talk about the Chadwick Boseman, uh, his passing, uh, and kind of just his legacy as a whole. So what are y'all's thoughts? Yeah, I, I will start by saying uh, we were actually talking in a group message last night. I was in the middle of sending an audio message and uh, Matt sent in the tweet and I was like, oh my goodness. Like it just blew my mind. I, I was hoping that it would be fake. Went to Twitter and it was real, and it was just so shocking, man. It came out of nowhere. Yeah, usually, uh, you know, a lot of times Twitter sometimes pronounces people dead before they actually have, have died. And so I just I threw it in there because it was like, yo, this is the first thing I saw, but then I went back and double-checked, and unfortunately it was the truth. But just to talk about some of his projects while he was alive, uh, he did Jackie Robinson in 42, which was extremely popular, Thurgood Marshall in the movie Marshall. Uh, he played as James Brown in Get On Up. Also was in 21 Bridges and in Black Panther, obviously, is the main character. And that was the one that made him an international star, winning him an NAACP Image Award, a Screen Actors Guild Award. I think that's probably say that. And uh, all, yeah, so but he ended up dying of colon cancer. And that was what, Friday night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Friday night. And uh, they were saying that it was a four year battle with colon cancer. So he had cancer during all of these movies that he was putting out during Black Panther. and. That's one of the craziest things to wrap your head around, I feel like. Yeah. Um, kind of like you were saying with the whole Twitter pronouncing people dead thing. Uh, the one bright spot that I kind of saw was that, you know, he had his family there with them. They didn't find out on Twitter because, you know, that like the Internet is real good for spoiling things like that for people. And so I am glad, that, you know, his family does seem to at least have that uh, semblance of peace, you know, throughout all this sort of like crazy stuff that's going on right now. Yeah, one thing that I heard Shannon Sharp say a little while back, what he says, from the time you're born, you kind of began writing your eulogy. And so one thing I guess you could say about this case was that his was full of great work and a great person that left his footprint on the earth. Yeah, I, I say his footprint on the earth, but 
he completely stamped his footprint in the black culture uh, history, honestly, with so many good movies. Obviously, he's going to be remembered uh, mainly for Black Panther and how crazy that role was, how big that role was. But all of the different roles that he took on were like very prestigious people, black people um, in our history and very um, monumentous people that did big things too. So like Jackie Robinson or Thurgood Marshall, um, all these different people. So uh, the roles that he took on definitely embodied his personality. And we, we forgot to say he's a native of South Carolina, Anderson, South Carolina. So man, he just did so many great things. It's really sad to see him go. Yeah. Uh, I remember obviously, you know, black Twitter specifically, but black people in general, we collectively showed out uh, when Black uh, Panther came out. And it was good to see, cause you know, we, we don't get moments like that very often. And I definitely would credit, you know, Chadwick and also the other people who worked on that movie with kind of starting this trend where we're, we're really seeing now where it's kind of like a black renaissance of like movies and whatnot. Cause that kind of paved the way for like, you know, movies like Get Out, you know, Queen and Slim, even though I have opinions on Queen and Slim, that's a different episode. Uh, but anyway, movies like that with black people like at the forefront and us, you know, having movies like that and showing that we can be, you know, financially marketable, you know, to people on like a Hollywood type uh, stage and whatnot. So, yeah, this this one's a loss for real. And I would say that has kind of talked about he's taking the baton. Uh, and as far as black people producing movies and then being directors and stuff, and not just the on-screen talent, although we love that as well, but just kind of the whole entire enterprise. So I think only 5% of the movie industry is owned by black people. So we're trying to dominate that lane as well. Yeah. Um, and I think just the cultural stamp that Black Panther was, it's so cool to look back at, but also to realize that that was only two years ago, I, I believe but just how big that moment was for the culture. Um, and Adarius, I think you retweeted a tweet uh, where it was in the movie theater and there were literally people like standing up and clapping all this different stuff. And it's like, you, you realize how big that moment was. Uh, and we're definitely gonna remember that down the line. And it's gonna be one of those things where it's like, yo, I remember when Black Panther came out or I remember how big it was when Black Panther came out. So. Chadwick, man, you, you, you really did leave a stamp on the culture. So thank you for that. I think one of the best social media clips you have is, do y'all remember whenever it's a little boy dancing on the table? Because I think his yeah. school finds out that they get to go and go see the movie. And that kind of will stamp this time. Not that specifically, but like, yo, them kids were so excited to go see that movie. And that was his first of its kind. And so hopefully many more to come. Stepping, most definitely. All right. So y'all also, like I said, it's a tough time right now for black people. Uh, you all want to tell us a little more about this Jacob Blake situation? Tragedy. Yeah. So, uh, so in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, Jacob Blake, he was attempting to break up a fight. And I believe the police had somehow gotten involved and they were trying to detain him for some reason. And he ends up, so one of the officers is trying to detain him. I believe there were four present. Uh, and he ends up getting shot seven times in the back as he's, you know, struggling with the officer or whatever. Luckily, thank God, uh, he actually survives this whole encounter, uh, but he's paralyzed from the waist down now. Um, so obviously there's been a lot of, you know, unrest surrounding that. I don't believe the officer has been charged with anything. Correct me if I'm wrong. Disappointed, but not surprised. Um, yeah, and so there's been a lot of civil unrest surrounding that. And then there's this whole other situation that's really kind of sparked from that with Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old who shot three people, killed two. 
um, and wasn't arrested that day, was allowed to go home and was arrested the next morning, was walking through the streets with an AR-15. So yeah, that's kind of just a general overview of the whole situation, but yeah, that's, it's just a lot. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about this. This AR-15, for those who are listening don't know, that is a semi-automatic rifle, and that's a pretty big gun. And so the fact that this dude was just toting us down the street and the officer saw him. It's not like they didn't see him. Saw him, was like, all right, go on about your business. It's like, wait, so y'all going to sit here and shoot this man that was unarmed, this black person, seven times. Meanwhile, this other guy, you just kind of let him walk on by, and we'll catch up with when you catch up with you. I, I left Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I left out an important detail too. So Kyle Rittenhouse is not from Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's from some complete is another state. Yeah. Drove from his home state to Kenosha, Wisconsin to protect this business that he's more than likely never been to. He's also he also was an aspiring police officer with ties to the Blue Lives Matter movement. So yeah, he drove from his home was in no way, shape, or form affected by anything going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, just basically wanted to shoot somebody. And he did. And here we are. Man. So. Uh, th- that whole situation is so sad, but even more sad than it needs to be. Like, first and foremost, the Jacob Blake situation in itself is something to that is completely hard to take in. And instead of struggling with uh, the police officer, it was actually like him walking back to his car, like trying to de-escalate things. So that's how he got shot in the back. And I feel like him getting shot in the back is something that's completely, I can't even fathom how that would ever be okay. You know, like it's literally the same thing or the same principle as um, George Floyd getting his neck kneeled on, like a person walking away. I don't understand how shooting someone in the back would run through someone's head as an appropriate thing to do. And no matter what situation it is, um, but I feel like th- this whole situation, especially with uh, the 17-year-old person that came and um, wanted to, I guess, protect people or protect the business, um, it really didn't have to be like that, but a- another tragedy. And I just kind of want to point out seven times, too. So it's like, you shoot somebody seven times, yeah. luckily it didn't kill them, but that sounds like that was your intent during the time. And I thought it was also interesting that you heard the lady in the background saying, don't you do it, don't you do it on the video. Being that she already knew what could potentially happen in this situation. At this point, black folk about to get arrested and you see like an officer about to draw his gun. It's like, y'all, we already know how this story usually ends. Like, please don't do it. And they decide to do it anyway. So, like, the thing that I keep coming back to in my head, and I've actually gotten into arguments with people about, you know, you shouldn't have to shoot somebody. If you're a police officer, you shouldn't have to shoot somebody in order to detain them especially if there are multiple officers present. Like, that should not even be something that has to happen. But like you said, it was seven times. Like, you don't do anything by accident seven times. Yeah. Anything beyond beyond once is a conscious choice, you know? It's just not, it's just not something that happens. So there's no way you can justify it in my head as to, I mean, people are saying that, you know, oh, yeah, he was reaching for a knife or whatever, but I'm like, there were multiple officers present. Again, like you shooting him seven times was not necessary. And if you can't detain somebody without shooting them at all, maybe, you know, just try and be like a security guard or something like that, something a little bit lower on the totem pole. Like patrol a mall, a parking lot, something more your speed if you can't, you know, do your job and not kill people. So, Literally. That's a great way to show it. And it's, uh, 
it's really sad to see this still go on. And it's just like, Matt, you mentioned that the uh, 17-year-old, he was aiming to be a police officer. So you see kind of how this stuff gets built up over time. You, you put in people that are, we're all flawed, but then there's other people where it's like more flawed and don't really deserve to be in positions of power. And then you see how these kind of sprout up and ends up in situations like these. It's, it's just crazy to think about. And then, so I will say with this happening, the NBA did decide to can't, well, the players decided they were going to not play that night in the bubble. And as far as what, what night did this happen? Wednesday, I believe. I think Wednesday night, they decided, I'm pretty sure if you're right, Wednesday night and the Los Angeles Lakers and the Clippers were ready to stop the bubble because they didn't want business to go back to as usual. And basically what LeBron is saying is he wants more out of their owners. He wants them to put more money up, put like spread their voice as far as how this is wrong, especially being that a lot of them are white. And the thing to consider with the NBA is it's like, okay, with these owners, whenever they go get these big facilities built, they go talk to politicians and to get different policies and stuff passed. So he's been, they're basically – the athletes are saying use those same voices in that same um, – how could I put this? Use all like we'll just go voices. Use your voice, and when you go talk to those politicians, not just about like building these arenas, but about Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. And so they have decided to continue playing. Uh, and I think the owners have probably say probably sat down in some meetings with the owners, like, okay, this is what we'll do because the owners know that they don't play that costs their pockets and stuff like that. So they're going to try to get that squared away. But it was nice to see the sports world kind of stop because of this and it's kind of come to my realization the sports world will never be the same it will never just be you just play sports and oh yeah that happens outside the sport but we just kind of keep moving don't talk about it the sports world and like the different people's communities like in this one african-american communities who are forever merged together especially in being that the talents that play these sports a lot of times are these same people who are getting killed in these environments yeah and the thing that i think is interesting how obviously whenever you know a black athlete says anything that's not directly related to their sport you know they get told oh they're like shut up and dribble just like stick to sports or whatever but i was thinking and i think we talked about it on an early episode Dabo, um when he went on his little rant uh and was telling people you know if you have a problem with certain things in this country like you know you can't go somewhere else like where was the shut up and like stick to your sport crew then mm-hmm. or like when i think it was brett Favre, he said something about uh he said something people didn't like. Or was it Drew Brees? It was one of them. Yeah, it was Drew Brees. And then Brian Erlacher had another statement that he, you know. Yeah. Like, where's the shut up and stick to your, to your sport crew or the All Lives Matter crew? Because it's the same group of people, basically. Like, where are they at then? That's or the All Lives Matter crew on the, the three people that Kyle Rittenhouse shot, two of them he killed. I didn't hear an All Lives Matter thing then. Yeah. So, yeah. Literally. I just yeah. think it's interesting. It's so disingenuous, and that brings up a great point. Like, it seems like there are just people out here to combat the movement, you know? They're, they're not standing for anything. They're going against things, and exactly. it's they're real selective when they want to show up and show out. So that that's something crazy. I, I think it will be – I think it's going to be really sad as well um, when the 17-year-old Kyle – I don't even know his last name. I'm sorry, guys. But uh, when – he goes to trial and I think that it's going to end up being like one of those moments where it's, he doesn't get a uh, sentence or anything like that. Um, Because in the video, I think he was responding to something or there were people kind of running up to him 
Um, so you know how the law system works and it's like self-defense and different things like that. So I think it's going to be another kind of, uh, outcry whenever he goes on trial and if he's not sentenced or anything. And one thing that we can see from our judicial system is to almost expect him to get off. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think generally the situation like this, it's like, I would love for the system to convict him for doing wrong for murder, but nine times out of 10 is like, he just escapes out of here. So we're going to see what happens with that. It's just like, I think the perfect example of that is Zimmerman, right? Everybody's yeah. like, it, yeah. and there is no way in the world this man gets off and sure enough, he's innocent. So. Man, I think it's really important that the NBA did do that. Um, at first, I was kind of a little lost um, whenever they ended the the holdout so soon. Yeah. I was kind of like, well, what was the purpose of that? But hearing that they did get to talk to people that were um, in these higher up positions and have these different connections, like you were saying, Matt, and hopefully they got them to agree, hey, you guys really need to put your money where your mouth is. You need to use this voice, the same voice that you use to get all these business deals done. Um, yeah. So at first I was a little confused, but now hearing that, uh, I really do hope there's going to be some change in the future. And I think to tag onto that, uh, we would also be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the fact that, you know, the WNBA has also been out there doing their thing too, as far as, you know, uh, keeping this in the forefront of people's minds, putting their foot on people's necks, and just basically being on the front lines as far as a lot of like sports and protest things goes like, and this isn't a new phenomenon either. It's just like, you know, the WNBA has always been, you know, out there, you know, basically doing all the activist work. And so, yeah, shout out to, to all those players as well. Yeah, and a lot of times the uh, women in the WNBA are the only ones doing it. It's been times in the past where the NBA hasn't really done anything. So they've uh, definitely been leading the charge. It's just how the sports world works where the NBA gets more uh, recognition about things. So shout, definitely shout out to the WNBA. And I would say also the WNBA, if you sit out – okay, so let's put this in perspective. So in the NBA, if you sit out a game, it's going to cost you money potentially because it's going to cost owner money, TV contracts. They'll drag it down to the players. But the players get paid a lot more in the NBA. In the WNBA, the salaries are nowhere near as high. So if you decide to sit out a game, you might not get paid for that game unless you have a nice owner or something like that, or a thoughtful owner, I guess you could say. But it's like – so they're really taking the – they're really taking a hit there, and they're realizing they'd rather do us right. So – that's major shout out to the WNBA. But yeah, in addition to all the crazy things that have gone on in this last week or last two weeks, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the different things. Matt, I know you saw all the different things going on at USC, our alma mater, uh, Darius, with the protests and uh, all the different kind of semi-riots going on. Uh, Matt, you want to fill us in on that? All right, cool. So as y'all know, our, all my classes are online. The only time I go to campus is for work and the inventory department at USC. And so I didn't see anything, but then I went home on Twitter. And at first I kept seeing like, you know, the trumpet boy and then the, the people who are anti-Black Lives Matters out there protesting on campus. And I just was like, yo, that's crazy because people pay, like students are paying tuition to come to school, Black students, and meanwhile, you have people protesting anti-Black Lives Matter. And once again, the part that blows my mind is we are talking about Black Lives Mattering. Like, what? Like, I pay money to go to this institution for these people to protest that my life does not matter. Like, this, this makes no sense. And the president, what's the president of USC's name? 
Castle. Castle. He keeps sending me these doggone emails. But all I keep seeing is that these people who are protesting that black lives do not matter are protected by like these uh what are them things called? Like fences. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm feeling like Dr. Umar on this. But this is <laughs> this is absolutely blowing my mind. But anyway, those people, those guys that are uh, protesting or holding up the signs that BLM, BLM are racist thugs and BLM, obviously Black Lives Matter, uh, ran a riot. So that is what's going on. That's the campus report between what's going on on campus. And this is just, like, this is blowing my mind. Matters. Like, Black Lives Matter. Not saying, like, we are extremists. We matter. No, mm -mm, that's not right. What? But, yeah, so y'all go ahead with that. Whatever y'all need to do with that. Matt, I feel like your enthusiasm is definitely warranted because this situation is just crazy and it, it's so real to hear uh your perspective as a student at the university it's like hold on wait wait, wait. how is this allowed to happen you know um and i get all the different laws that go into protesting and doing this or whatever but at some point as a president do you not say hey like this isn't cool like someone's walking from class it could be a black student it probably is thousands of black students and they see oh black lives matter black lives do not matter and it's like wait how is this allowed and then you're paying to go to school here so i am paying tuition if you're a freshman hopefully you don't have COVID 19 but if you're a freshman like you're living on campus and this is like in the middle of campus right by you know the library and yeah. stuff like that and so like you're walking to class maybe you're going to chick-fil-a and you see these people saying black lives don't matter how and they're protected i i can't i cannot i can't yeah, okay they do have the trumpet boy out there who is and then you do have some uh our white counterparts out there who are saying black lives do matter and all that stuff but i just can't get over the initial shot like it, it just i just i just cannot get over this like this but i will say moving forward as we look back in life it'll be like yo what was it like going to school down south at the university of south carolina i used to say the finest school in all the south finest institution in all the southland throw that out of here but uh, it's going. It'll be like, look at these photos. Like this is for real. So that's that's what I got to say about it. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I'm little. I'm all I'm asking is one, don't shoot me. Two, if you do shoot me, someone please arrest this man. And there are people who will look me dead in my eyes into the windows of my soul and be like, no. Oh. Like that's not. Why is that something that we don't agree on? I don't get it. <laughs> like that's that's we're asking for bare minimum, and we can't get that. Like I just want the person who kills me to just have consequences. That's all. We're, that's all I'm asking. And it's and, yeah. And so if you look at it, it's like so. If I'm entertaining you as far as I'm singing or rapping, you'll listen to it. You'll probably sing the lyrics in the car, definitely at the concert. If I'm playing on this on this field at Williams Bryce Stadium or Colonial Life Arena, you will cheer me on. Mm. But God forbid, I say, please stand with us as we say Black Lives Matter. That's too much. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> hey, that's too much to ask for. Hey, you said a hey, lot just then, Matt. <laughs> you understand? You're welcome. I'm sorry. Yo, this is insane. This is. I do appreciate the white uh, people who are out there who are protesting and stuff. That's dope. Uh, I can't congratulate you so much because, like. Come on now. But uh, I do appreciate you. I want to throw that out there. I had to leave my Dr. Umar there for a second because I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny that, you know, we were talking in a group chat the other day. Um, I think one of y'all asked me, so like, yeah, what are some things that we can actually do to like stop this from happening? 
And I say, yeah, I think one thing, one well, quick and easy thing we could do to stop this from happening is have some sort of process where if these people are gonna want to be on campus, they have to get that like approved. Students need to know ahead of time. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. People need to know that they're gonna be on campus or whatever, only to find out that we've already been doing that and they were approved to be on campus, just didn't tell anybody. And it was just like, okay, well, you didn't think that like, you know, black students in the middle of a global pandemic, we already have enough to worry about. You don't think we would need to know that, you know, there's gonna be people on campus just like completely invalidating our entire like lives. I feel like that's something Bob could have sent out in one of his emails that we get a thousand of. <laughs> I feel like, you know, that that warranted, you know, a Carolina alert or something. Quick little text. Yeah, literally. Um, and I feel like just alerting people could give us enough time. And I'm saying us as a former student, but could give the students enough time to organize how they're going to respond to this, because this is a whole like distraction, you know? Uh, yeah. And if you were to know that this was going on before, you could send in the black USC group chat, hey, there's these ignorant people out here. Hey, don't even give them the time of the day because it it's so obvious that that's what they come here for. And that's where they get they kick the rocks doing that, where it's like, oh, we're just going to cause a, a stir on campus or we're going to get people frustrated. Um, so just giving people a heads up to say, hey, uh, this is going on like this is protected by their constitutional rights, but we can do this and uh, counter in this way or we can just not even show up, you know, and then they look stupid, you know, like you know, talking to themselves, you know, so uh, I, I wish they would do something like that as well, but it's ridiculous to see. Question, uh, who would they go to to be able to get approval to like do the protest? I think it was USCPD that mm -hmm. approved that whole thing. I would have to look, I would have to fact check that. Yeah. But I believe the article that I saw said that USCPD uh, or at the very least, USCPD came out to tell everybody that they had the approval necessary to be out there. And it depends on kind of where they are, if I remember correctly. Um, maybe it's just USCPD in general. Uh, because I think, I know if you're on campus, you have to go through, I think, Russell House to get certain spots. But I don't know. Well, they were on Davisville, so I think that is Russell House territory. Uh, but I think they might still have to go through USCPD to get like those barricades and everything that they had. Um, and so, yeah. I would think the reason I'm asking that is because like, I think it's crazy. Imagine like you, let's say they're walking in and asking for permission or whatever, and you're sitting there doing paperwork at the desk. And then, so it's like, Hey, can I like, and then they're asking, okay, Hey, can I speak to you for a second? We just want to make sure we get permission before we go do this. And you look at the sign and it's like, Wait, what? And I guess legally you have to go ahead and just do the paperwork, whatever, if they're not going to cause any problems, well, more problems they actually really did cause. But, uh, and it's just like, sure, let me write that in for you, especially if it's like a black person. Because it's like, dang, yeah. I'm basically giving, and I know like your hands are tied here, but dang, I basically given them permission to go out here and protest against my people. But just something to think about. But I feel like, and someone with more knowledge on constitutional law, I only took one class, so what I'm about to say might be completely invalid. I did pass the class, though, FYI. Yes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there are certain limits on, you know, the whole First Amendment right to just say whatever you want type of thing. I think that if it puts people in imminent danger, 
then like you can't just say that. Same reason why you can't just be like, you can't just yell bomb on an airplane. Or like you can't just yell fire in a crowded area. Like you can get arrested for that sort of thing. So like I think, you know, saying things that will incite a crowd to gather in the midst of a global pandemic where we already, you know, have, what was it, some close to 600 new cases right now. I think, you know, maybe that warrants the, nah, you good for right now type convo. Yo, I was. I think we can reject this one. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Like, not even the fact that we're in a global pandemic and then these people are out here with no mask. And it's like, that just adds on top of how does this happen? You know, like, I feel like they could at least say, oh, you can't do it this day, maybe another time. And then just keep pushing back, maybe another time. And then just never doing it. So, man. I think Darius, speaking of it, I think if, because I took a media law class, it's like imminent or enticing. I think those are the two hours yeah. that we're there for. This episode of Dominate the Decade is brought to you by the good folk over at Moctezuma's Taqueria. Head over to one of their locations in Columbia, South Carolina, one of which is 4341 Fort Jackson Boulevard, the other one being 506 Beltline Boulevard for some of their specials. On Monday, they have margaritas for $3 for the small ones, $5.50 for the medium ones, and Taco Tuesdays, which is three tacos for $3.99. Now back to the action. And then y'all, as if all of this is not enough, our last topic of the day, I'm going to give y'all the facts and we're going to discuss it. A mixed race couple in Florida, well, whose home was in Jacksonville, had initially valued an appraiser at $330,000 uh, back in June, and the exact same residence was then latered at more than 40% higher at a, at, a, at a second appraisal after they removed the images of their black family members. So how do y'all feel about that? Mm. I think this is uh, very on brand with the topics this week because it's just... It's just buffoonery going on in America right now. Um, but how I feel about that, man, it, it, it's crazy to see. But like you said before, Darius, disappointed but not surprised. Um, and in the article, it was talking about how there were so many people that can kind of relate to that story. And it's kind of like a, a well-known thing within the Black community. Yeah, if you're trying to sell your house, go ahead and get rid of all the things that, like, identify your house as being Black, you know? So, yeah it's crazy that these things are still going on, but it's so telling of the infrastructure of our country and our nation um, that these things still happen. Uh, these things are just common knowledge and it's really just sad to see. This led me to think about something. So I heard Killer Mike say this. He was like, if you're, ne if you're trying to sell your house, if you're next door, Darius, I think that's your dog in the background. That kind of got me off guard. But <laughs> Darius went on mute. Y'all, we're full disclosure today. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, so Killer Mike was saying that if you're trying to sell a house or something like that and your next door neighbor's house is uh, grass isn't cut, go ahead and cut the grass because it might raise the property value just a little bit. And also to the buyer, they might be like, oh, okay, uh, that grass isn't cut. Do they never cut the grass? Maybe I won't buy this house. But after looking at this, by just being black, the, the value of the house goes down. At least that's what the system is saying. And that's absolutely crazy because once again, just like everybody, we're not just like everybody else, one can say we're better than everybody else. And it's like, but just by being the color of our, by just by the color of our skin, like this is this is what, what it comes to. So that's crazy to think about. Okay, so yeah, I'm having a thought. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know I said it a lot. Correct me if I'm wrong for real. If I'm if I'm a realtor and I'm selling a house, don't I get a 
like a percentage of whatever the house sells for? Like, don't I get like a percentage of that? Yeah. yeah. All right. So if I tell this black couple that the house sells for less than what it's really worth, don't I make less money? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna hop in there. Okay, so the appraiser, not that you're you're completely right, but the appraiser is usually independent of the realtor. Um, whenever you're buying or selling a house, you get someone to come in uh, that's independent of both parties and say, hey, this house is worth this much. And then you usually get another one. If you want to, you get like three or four. So you can get an accurate assessment of how much you should be paying or how much you should be getting from something. So you are 100% right that uh, the realtors do get a cut. Um, but I feel like that also says something about the realtor that he wouldn't want to fight more with the appraiser and say, hey, uh, no, we should get this amount for this, not this, you know? Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Like, first off, it, it never made any sense to tell these people that the house wasn't worth what it was worth. But you're actually putting yourself at a disadvantage by saying that. If I understand everything right, so literally, like, quite, like, what is the point? <laughs> I just, I just don't get it. I'm just confused. The only point is to keep the black man down. That's it. <laughs> I think that what this also does is it kind of pulls back the curtains, and so like a lot of people have experienced this. But it's like, all right, now it's like public knowledge, like, and not just like the un, un, unsaid thing. It's like, yo, this happens a lot. So hopefully, this kind of begins to be addressed and. Cause I'm sure a lot of people will be able to relate to this. As a matter of fact, I saw, I saw the article on Twitter and somebody was like, yo, I have a story just like that. So, it's, so this is basically pulled the curtain behind, pulled the curtain back and show you what it's really like out here. Yeah, and it's showing us uh, in real time, these roadblocks that are set up to keep uh, members of our culture away from generational wealth, you know? And you can only imagine how many times these things happen in the past or you see this now and this is something where it's like, oh, bro, come on. but even 10, 20, 30 years ago, it's probably 10 times worse than this. It's like, hey, your house is worth dirt, you know? Like, and yeah. what can you do about it? Like, now you see uh, on social media, and then you got people to back you and say, hey, this happened to me as well. Or you get the New York Times to write about it. But now, or back in the day, it might have just been like, hey, that's your luck, you know? So I feel like at this point, it's just we're able to see it and we're able to talk about it. Whereas before, it just happened and hey, you're out of luck, man. Yo, I actually kind of have a small story for something like this. I was talking to some of my aunts, I think it was like two weekends ago. And apparently my grandfather had a bank down, there was a bank down the country where a lot of black people put their money at before, like, you know, the $250,000 was, what is that called? The FTC, right? FDIC, I'm sure. Right before the FDIC. And so apparently the bank went under, his money just was gone. Mm. And it, but now with social media and obviously the FDIC, it'd be like, yo, that's not right. This is an outrage. And they would be guaranteed getting the money back. But just back in the day, it was just, oh, well. Sorry. Yep. And then the thing was, the wages weren't even as high back then. Now, now, naturally, the price of living was lower, too. But it's like, so that could be thousands of dollars that you saved up. You got 10, 11 kids, and it's just, sorry, make sure you got the payments, though. You know, the light bill still got to be paid and things like that. So great thing we have social media stuff and like awareness. And as you hear all the old people say, uh, I'm so glad we got the camera phone now. Camera phone changes everything, but that's the reality of it as well. Yeah, I think that's that's a super interesting like point of history to talk about, just like black people or specifically older black people and their like distrust of banks, which is completely justified. It's why a lot of like older black people just like have just like cash, just like around the house, 
just because, like, you know, they couldn't trust banks back at the time. Um, and we had talked about in Littlefield's class, Black experience after 1865. If you're at USC, you should take that class. Black, yep. white, whatever you are, take it. Anyway, about how, you know, a lot of these Black insurance, uh, they weren't really insurance companies, but it was like, you know what? Nobody else has our backs like we do, so we're just going to put money aside. And, you know, if, you know, Jimmy needs to bury his grandfather, you know, we got money for that. And everybody just kind of puts into it. It's kind of like a little insurance thing because you couldn't trust, you know, wide insurance companies. You couldn't trust banks. And you really couldn't even trust, like, hospitals and stuff, too, which is why Black people are, you know, distrustful of, like, the healthcare industry, which that's the whole other podcast episode for one of the time. But, yeah, just thinking through, like, a lot of stuff like that is just crazy. Hey, Adarius, while you were breaking that down, that uh, reminds me of why some people participate in those susu circles. <laughs> I was thinking that I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> hey, yo, those are like the little flowers and all the, all, the, all that the susu circle thing? Yeah, it's a yeah. uh, scam thing that you see on Instagram. And uh, full disclosure for the people on the pod, there are uh, two undisclosed members of the podcast <laughs> that participate in the susu circles uh we're not going to drop any names but there are two members of this podcast that josh are, were you one of them i guess we'll break this thing I, down. I am not one of them so there's two other people <laughs> on this podcast that participate in that whatever y'all gotta say about that y'all i am a living testimony to them things if you can get in when the momentum is hot and you can get out quickly do so your boy lost 160 dollars to them but oh the the Lord will provide, so we back at it. But uh, <laughs> we ain't going to see that 160 again. So even if you're on it and the energy is good at the time, you need to make sure you're on when it first gets started and get out as soon as you can. Get your money. So if you put in 100, get it. Get your 800, get out, put in 50. Y'all know the whole thing. If no. you get in 50, get the 400, get out. Because if you stay in too long, you end up like me with a, a down 160. No. Yeah. What, what I didn't do what we were saying. Oh, what needs to happen is just don't put your money in. <laughs> That's what needs to happen. I tried to tell these guys, but hey, hey, you live and you learn, I guess. <laughs> oh, Darius, what's your testimony? We're not going to let you escape out of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know. I didn't do 160. I'm just out of 100. <laughs> not that that's much better. But uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. It's just. Go if you're gonna do it, which I can't say whether or not I would recommend it. Uh, like Matt said, go in with the momentum, uh, <laughs> get some people you trust. <laughs> Grant, I don't feel like I got scammed per se, I do feel like I'm out of hundred dollars, yeah. so just draw your own conclusions. But yeah, <laughs> yo, I guess we should probably uh, break down like what it actually is. So, I, I don't want to say that it's a scam. Uh, and we talked about this before, but uh, it's basically like sa a savings method. If everyone, if you have some people that are reliable, respectable, then it can work. But having people, just random people online, people on Facebook, your aunties and your uncles, your uh, third, fourth, fifth cousins in on it, it, it's a recipe for disaster. So it's not illegitimate. I think it derives from... Uh, some tribes in Africa and it was a way of saving money. Um, but I don't know. It, it probably just isn't the best thing. Uh, do it at your own risk is what I'm going to say. But I'll personally say there are a lot of better methods to put your money into where the ROI is a lot better. So do what you try, must. Try out the stock market. They got on cash out. I would say that the whole thing, the whole thing is derived upon you bringing two people. 
the problem is you cannot continuously like only a certain amount of people that you're involved with are going to keep hopping into it. And so therefore you're dependent upon everybody else who's entered it to continue getting their two people, but you cannot force them and you cannot force people to actually join it. So y'all, I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to endorse not doing it. I've, I've got them stripes. So y'all don't have to please stay away from them things. If somebody texts you about it, just tell them, nah, big fella, Matt told us uh, not to do it. So we're not going to do it. And in that case, I've become an influencer. That's a fact. Yeah. I'm actually kind of surprised. Uh, how we wrap this episode up. It started off pretty, pretty eerie and uh, respectfully so. Definitely, definitely a, a whole bunch going on. But man, to end it like this, to poke fun at you guys a little bit, it definitely warmed my heart up and got me off of, uh, got my mind off of some of the tragedies that occurred. So appreciate yeah, first you. First off, on that note, Josh definitely just said, poke fun at us a little bit. This man roasts me immensely in our group chat just for any reason that he possibly has so don't let him think <laughs> don't have don't be out of thinking that josh is just taking it easy on me right now this is an everyday occurrence for adarius so adarius is the main one with the clout in the group so uh he got a little target on his back but it's all love it's all love yeah, so I had to end it off on a uh, positive note. But, y'all, that's all we ha- – is that all y'all have today? Yeah. yeah, I'm straight. Yeah, so, hey, y'all, for the people who have been going to the restaurants that sponsor us, we truly appreciate you. Keep going. Let them know the Dominate the Decade sent you. Shout out to our boy Zay. I'm pretty sure he listens every week. If you don't, Zay, just continue listening whenever you do. Y'all, post it on your story and tag Dominate the Decade, whatever. I think that's our Instagram handle. Go to our page. Tag us in your story. We like to use those uh, to get spread awareness and things like that. So continue doing that. And we appreciate you all for listening. But that's all we have for today. Peace. Adios. Hasta luego. Wait. My city, king of my country, king of my homeland King of the filthy, king of the fallen, we living again King of the shooters, looters, boosters, and ghettos popping King of the past, present, future, my ancestors watching King of the culture, king of the soldiers, king of the bloodshed King of the wisdom, king of the ocean, king of the respect King of the optimistic and dreamers that go and get it King of the winners, district and geniuses